Hi guys, welcome back to The Right Type. Today I'm here with Casey McQuiston, who is the author of Red, White and Royal Blue. In today's episode, you can hear Casey talk about their best-selling debut novel and what the inspiration was for writing Red, White and Royal Blue. And also, I test Casey on some British slang and you can see if they pass that well or fail miserably. I had such a great time talking with Casey and I hope you guys enjoyed the episode. So Casey, just tell us about you and who you are, where you live, everything. Okay, um, hi, I am Casey McQuiston um, and I am the author of Red, White and Royal Blue. And um, let's see, I live in New York with my dog, Pepper. Um, and right now we are spending most of our time sitting on the couch and going for two walks a day in a very, very tiny radius because we are scared, um, and trying to flatten the curve. So that's about, that's about it for us. Um, but yeah, I'm excited to be here. Thank you so much for agreeing to be on my podcast. So many people will be so excited. I feel like you were probably the biggest queer book of the year last year. Thank you. Thank you. It's very, very kind of you to say. And I'd love to hear about your writing slash publishing journey, like how you got into publishing and how querying was for you and just anything that you think people would love to know about your publishing journey. Everyone's is so different. And I think that it's so cool hearing about how everyone's differs. Yeah. And thank you for asking, because I feel like I don't get asked about it a lot. And I like always want to try and like, you know, demystify the whole process. Um, because I think a lot of people think that you have to know people in the industry to like to get anywhere when you're querying, and that was not the case for me at all. Um, so basically, to take it back, I started writing the book in early 2016. Um, I worked on it for probably like six months, and then the election happened, and I realized, because like originally this book had like a slightly different tone and slightly different plot, and I just realized that like, it needed to be something different to, you know, kind of fit what was going on politically, like in the country. Um, and so I kind of shelved it for six months and I was like, I don't know how to write this book anymore. And then, um, I went on a trip and kind of forced myself to do some writing while I was like away from the internet and away from the news and away from Wi-Fi and like had no choice but to think thoughts, you know? And, um, and, after that, I kind of pounded out the next 100,000 words of the manuscript um, in about, like, four or five months, which is not a typical writing pace for me. I kind of was, like, possessed with the idea. Um, and so I finished it in, um, finished it in, like, late 2017, like, November, I want to say, and then I spent the rest of the year editing it. Um, but I'm, like, a very harsh self-editor, so I had been editing all the way through as I went. So, like... Like, for my second book, I edited much longer. Um, anyway, so then um, I started querying in January, and I did have, like, the only kind of leg up I had. I didn't know anything. I didn't even know how to query. I just, like, met one who had been going through pitch wars, and she knew things about how to do it. And she just basically was like, let me hold your hand. I'm going to tell you what to do. So um, make friends on Twitter. It's I highly recommend it. Um... And I, she kind of just like sent me a list of like some agents she had been researching. And one of them was Sarah Megabo, who is my agent. And, um, I queried her and a couple, a few other agents first. And, um, and so it was complete, like cold call slush pile. Just like, I didn't know anyone. I didn't have any like, oh yeah, so-and-so like referred me to you and nothing like that. So, 
slush piles do pan out, you know? Um, and Sarah found me in the slush pile. She loved it. She requested a full, um, signed with her. And then we went out on sub pretty quickly because it was pretty clean by the time I sent it to her because I've been working on it for like a year and a half. Um, and yeah, and then we found Vicky, um, at, uh, St. Martin's Griffin slash Wednesday. She kind of edits for both imprints, um, at McMillan and Vicky Lame is my editor and she's amazing. And she's like from Texas and immediately connected like on a soul level with the book and like, you know, really advocated for it. Um, and that was, yeah, that was the journey. So, I mean, I will say I had a pretty fast journey just because I think the book is really, really, really timely and really clean. Um, like it didn't require a lot of edits, uh, once I got it to my agent. And so I will say this is the one thing that was crazy was from the time I queried to the time I signed my deal was about three months. Wow. Yeah. So that was wild. Um, so it was very like zero to 60. Um, but yeah, so that was kind of the journey for me. I do think that like I had an atypical journey in the sense of like things moved really quickly for me. Um, but at the same time, like, I want to encourage people that, like, you don't have to know anyone. You can you can find, like, a great, great agent from the slush pile. Agreed. I think a lot of people have so many misconceptions about how people get agents. I remember one of my friends was saying, but you have to pay them, right? Or, um, oh. I don't know anyone. And I'm like, neither did I. I don't know my agent before. Like, I didn't know her before I queried her. So it's really good to talk about these type of things. And I love how you said you were possessed. That's how I felt <laughs> when I'm writing. Yeah. Yes. Oh my God. Yeah. When, when you like, when a book like grabs you and like, you cannot stop writing it, I feel like that's like the secret sauce. That's what like makes a really good book. Agreed. I, I think that like when you're passionate, like while writing, it just kind of keeps you going through the tough times. Um, and yeah. you always find that passion again, I feel. Yeah, for sure. Thank you so much for sharing your publishing um, journey. I think it's so important to hear everyone's just kind of get rid of myths and like show people, as you said, that you can literally come in and know no one. There's no connections that make you, I mean, maybe some people like Simon Cow, um, yeah. they will like, have connections but um the majority of people kind of come in and they don't know anyone so yeah i agree and what was your inspiration for writing um red white and royal blue yeah so the way it first started for me was like first of all like on a like on like a meta level i always knew like i had tried writing ya fantasy i had tried writing like you know like urban fantasy stuff like that and I was really bad at it. I'm so bad at world building. Like, like, God, so bad. Um, but what I was good at was writing the relationships within those stories. And it's kind of how I stumbled into the idea. Like, oh, I'm good at writing rom-coms because I love rom-coms. And I've been watching rom-coms my whole life. Um, and I wanted to write a, like, a big, like, mass market, shiny, colorful, queer rom-com to have, like, I wanted to have the feeling that I had the first time I watched like 10 things I hate about you and like Heath Ledger and Julia Stiles kiss at the end, you know, but I wanted it to be queer. Cause like I had never really felt that feeling watching a queer pairing, like people who I saw myself in on screen, um, or in a book, you know, and not to say those things didn't exist. It's just that like, I hadn't come across them, you know, and I wanted to create that for myself. Um, and so one of the like rom-coms I loved growing up was My Date with the President's Daughter, um, which is like an American rom-com 
um, in which, like, a guy goes on a date with this girl who turns out to be the first daughter. Um, and uh, it was, like, that. And also, like, my sister having a picture of Prince William on her bedroom wall when I was a kid. Um, all kind of, like, I think you know, coalesced into this idea of, like, I wanted to do, like, a Prince Charming subversion, and I also wanted to do a story about, like, a queer, a rebellious queer first child, like, son or daughter of the United, or what, child of the um, President of the United States, and I had, I was like, which of these stories do I want to do, and then I realized if I made them fall in love with each other, I could do both at the same time, Um, and that was kind of how it started, Um, and then, like, as I continued writing it, um, it kind of became this thing that was like a combination of a bunch of things I loved. Like it was a little bit Veep, it was a little bit Parks and Rec, it was a little bit, you know, um, just like feelings that I felt, you know, following politics for years and years, um, and and all of those things kind of into this big shiny rom com package. Um, and I think more than anything, by the end, I was just trying to write something that like. Like, I can't solve the problems in the world. Like, I'm not, I can't, I can't write policy. I'm not a lawyer. I'm not, like, you know, it's not my skill set. But what I can do is I can, like, write something that is, like, escapist for, like, a few moments so that somebody can, like, take a break, read this book, feel a little spark of hope for a minute, put it down, and then, like, get back into the work. And, like, I don't know, that's kind of what I see this book as. It's just, like, a little bit of comfort food. You can so you can like take a break with it and imagine like a better world that's not perfect but it's at least you know a little better and um, and then you know feel a little bit of hope and a little bit of energy and then get back into the work you know so that's kind of what uh, inspired it for me. That's so lovely. I think that we need so many of those books, especially with queer books. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, look, there I love me some sad queer stories. Like, don't get me wrong, I love yearning and tragedy and I think they're beautiful and I love um, like stories about queer trauma are so important but I think it's also really important to make space for queer joy and queer hope and queer happily ever afters too. I agree 100% and I love what you said about um, about the fantasy um, because I can't write fantasy to save my life I feel like I'm exact same even when I'm reading fantasy I can't picture anything anyone's saying. <laughs> And I can't do world building, so I was the same. I literally wrote fantasy first, and then I came into contemporary because I was like, I can't do this extra stuff. Right. Well, like the stuff I loved reading when I was young, when I started writing, was like all like YA fantasy or like YA sci-fi. So it was like it was all you know like Harry Potter, Twilight, Hunger Games, all of those things. And I was like, this is what I love to read. This is my right. And then I tried writing, and I was like, no, this is not what I write. <laughs> no, I feel that. And. Thank you for sharing your inspiration. Your story has been so uplifting to so many people and is a very important story to have. Ah, feelings! <laughs> <laughs> and the next part I know you're excited for. <laughs> oh boy, okay, all right, let's go. Okay, so as we all know, you have a British character. Yeah. And could you just tell us a bit about him first? Yeah, so Henry is the Prince of England, the youngest uh, prince. Uh, he's like the spare, you know, the heir and the spare. Um, and he is, you know, he comes off very uptight, like milk toast, very bland. Um, but he's actually like a huge nerd and very sensitive and sweet and funny and like dry sense of humor. And he loves, you know, many things. He loves a kebab or I'm sorry, a kebab. 
and you know, all of uh, he's 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 a he's he's a good dude. I love Henry a lot. You had to research Henry and kind of get into his head. So yeah. hopefully you can channel Henry when we <laughs> test you on British slang. Oh okay. Okay. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. So the first word is chuffed. Oh yeah. That means like, um, like when you're pleased with the results of something or like you have like a good turnout, like, oh, I'm so like, I'm absolutely chuffed. Yes. Well done. One point. Um, Thank you. The next word is, or it's a phrase, ass over tits. Um, is that like head over heels? No. No? Okay, what is it? It's when you've like fallen over. Okay, okay. And then the next word is wanker. Oh, okay. Well, I mean like literally, it means one who wanks. <laughs> um, but uh, figuratively, it's, isn't it just like a jackass? Yes. You know. <laughs> yeah. Okay, you've got two points. Um, Thank you. The next word is minging. Oh. Uh, <laughs> I know I've heard this or like read this, and I was like, ah, yes, context clues. I think I know what this means. But, uh, oh no. Oh, this is so embarrassing. <laughs> what does it mean? It means like disgusting. Okay, all right, now I know. Okay. I will put that, I will, if I write another British character, I will put that in, and I will be like, credit where credit is due i learned that on this podcast go listen to it <laughs> thank you <laughs> and the next word is bait um sorry wait say it again bait bent like b-i-n-t no baits like b-a-i-t oh b-a-i-t yes bait oh no i don't know <laughs> i don't know oh no what does it mean it means obvious okay so you use wow. it in a sentence like oh he's so bait Oh my god. Wow, okay, you're really schooling me today. <laughs> the next word is bear. Bear. Oh, okay, I know this one because of attack the block. Um, so like like when you have a lot of things, like you have like like in attack the block there's like there's bear weed in there. There's like a yes. ton of weed in that room. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's it. You're you're correct. Okay. okay. I think you're on three points. Okay, great. Wow. It's like I'm it's a failing grade, but let's keep going. <laughs> if you get to if you get to five points, I'll be very impressed. Okay, okay. Okay, the next word is chinwag. Chinwag. Isn't that like when you have like a like chit chat with somebody like small Yeah. Talk? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well done. <laughs> okay, what is tough? Tough? Like T O F F? Yes. Tough. Tough. I've heard this word. Um I can give you a clue. Okay, sure. Henry is, t- uh, is like, would be a toff. Oh, God. Is that like, um, is that like, like somebody who's like, uh, pretentious or fancy? Yes. Okay. Yay. <laughs> in the, in the American sense. Yes. Oh, I mean, it's kind of like high class. Yeah. Yeah. And then okay. the next word is scouser. Scouser. Um, well, I know that, like, there's, like, I've heard of the Scouse accent. You're close. Um, So, is it somebody from the wherever Scouse accents come from? Yes, but do you know where that is? Uh, no. (laughs) Uh, It's Liverpool. Liverpool, okay. Alright, alright. I should know that because I went through, like, a Beatles phase when I was, like, 13. Oh my god. (laughs) I mean, it was maybe not my best moment. (laughs) And we have three more words left. Okay, so okay, the go. first one is pissed. Pissed, like drunk. Yes. Yes. Cheeky. 
cheeky is like uh, flirtatious or uh, like um, sort of uh, well, it, it could be flirtatious or like kind of like uh, risque, or it can be like um, like rude or disrespectful to authority, right? Yeah, you actually like bang on. Yeah. <laughs> and the last word is clapped. Clapped. Yes. Like, like clapped. Like, like her eyebrows are clapped. Wait. Okay. Well, I heard like clapped to mean like, um, like when something looks like busted. Um, like, do you mean beaten up or do you mean? I mean, like, like bad. Yes. Yeah. That you're right. Yeah. Like when something. Like I've heard somebody say, like her eyebrows look clapped. Yeah. <laughs> like her eyebrows look like, like bad. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Actually, at my school, um, I went to an all-girls school in South uh-huh. London and it was awful. And people would be like, oh, she's so clapped. And then someone was like, oh, she's thunderclapped, which was like another level. Thunderclapped. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> wow, that was so much fun. Thank you. Oh, well, you've done so well. I feel like I should count up your like points. It's something like seven, but you did really well. Wow. I'm like, I'm like, I was honestly, I was going to embarrass myself more than I did. So, yay. I feel like you channeled um, Henry very well. Honestly, I feel like I was more channeling Pez because Henry is like a little too uptight to like use that much slang, but Pez doesn't care and he would he would say any of those words. <laughs> he takes himself a little too seriously sometimes. The next question I have is, what is the coolest thing that has happened to you as a result of your book, your debut novel? Oh man, um, a couple things. I mean, obviously like tour at all is really, really cool. And just like getting to... Um, uh, you know, I, I've, I've told this story before, but I feel like, um, cause like I grew up in like the deep, deep South, like deep South Louisiana, um, and like a very conservative Christian, like homophobic, all of the things, um, environment. And so like, I, I like was like very, very, very repressed in my queerness as a teen and I didn't come out until my twenties. And so I didn't get to have like a queer adolescence, you know, like I didn't get to be like a queer teen. And so I like went on tour and I met so many like queer teen readers and I loved all of them so much. And it was like, I got to like experience something I missed out on as a teen. So that was like, like they were like, Oh my God, thank you so much for coming. I'm like, no, thank you so much for coming, you know? Um, so that was really, really cool. And then recently I got to go to, um, I was invited to a, like a panel at the Kennedy Center, um, which like for your non-American reader, uh, readers, listeners, is um, basically like a performing arts center in DC that was founded by like JFK and um, is like a huge, um, just like like Kennedy Center honors every year is like a huge deal to, to be able to like go to the Kennedy Center and like do a panel on stage in partnership with the Library of Congress was like such a once in a lifetime like dream come true moment for like me being a huge nerd um and that was really cool I got to do a panel with Jacob Tobia or Tobia I, I always mispronounce their last name um but they are just like such a genius their book Sissy uh is like a, a memoir about their experience as like a genderqueer person um and that was like such an incredibly sharp smart and like wonderful conversation like mostly it was Jacob saying the most brilliant things in the world me being like Yes, <laughs> you know, um, but it was such a, such a cool experience. Um, yeah, those are like some of the big ones. Um, and, uh, yeah, just like getting to do, to write for a living. Cause this is what I do full time now 
is just such a dream come true. Like, I can't overstate, like, how grateful I am to get to do that every single day. That's just so lovely. And I'm so happy that you're kind of getting to live, I guess, the the life or the queer adventure that you didn't get to when you were a teenager. And the next question I have is, if you could have tea with any author, dead or alive, who would you choose and why? God, you know, I thought about this, um, and I I think that up there would have to be Oscar Wilde. Um, I love, like, one of the first books I loved, like, a book I had to read for school that I absolutely loved was The Portrait of Dorian Gray. Um, and actually, no, it was it was The Importance of Being Earnest. And then I loved that so much, I read The Portrait of Dorian Gray for my term paper in the class that year. Um, but Importance of Being Earnest invented my sense of humor and also is like one of my queer roots, I feel like. Um, like Oscar Wilde's sense of humor and like it's such a specifically, even when the text is not explicitly gay, it is such a gay sense of humor. Um, and, and I, he's just like so brilliant, so witty, um, just like would definitely love to be just like verbally eviscerated by him. Cause I'm sure he would have something to say about my shoes or my outfit or whatever, or my, my intellect. And it would, I would be like, yes, insult me. Um, so I think that that's definitely one of them. Like I would have a blast with him. Um, and yeah, you know, I think I'm going to stick with that answer. I, I, Oscar Wilde. Um, you have the exact same answer as me. Oscar really? Wilde is, like, literally my everything. He is ah. my favorite white man. And, ah. like... He's the only one that's right. <laughs> lit- literally. And um, I went to visit his grave in Paris. And it was so dramatic. Because, you know, people kiss his grave. And you have to leave, like, a yeah. lipstick stain. And yeah. um, when I got to the grave, there was this, like, queer guy um, giving, like, a... A talk randomly by his grave and talking wow. about his last words and actually um in school we had to read um what was it called an ideal husband and i fell oh. in love with his book and well, his play and then i read um, um the importance of being earnest and the humor i was screaming <laughs> oh my god i still have like my high school copy of importance of being earnest on my bookshelf in my house it's still got like the sticky tabs i put in it where i highlighted the lines i thought were funniest and like it's still as it still makes me laugh as much as it did the first time i read it it's just literally such a subtle humor and it's like you could tell oscar's having the best time in his own head and yeah. he's just so intelligent and i love how yeah. subtly gay he is all the time and, yeah. and it's like how can you get away with this yes oh my god in the victorian era he's i i mean like well he didn't get away with it but (laughs) but he did get it in print and that is that is an accomplishment exactly i agree and i was wondering what your favorite recent read was yeah um so i actually have all of them next to me on my desk so i'm gonna cheat and look at them um but let's see so i recently finished um this is how you lose time war by amala motar and um uh max gladstone and um it's, oh God, it's so good. Um, it's like, it's basically like a, I don't even know how to describe it. It's like a sci-fi, epistolary, lesbian, like, romance, kind of? Um, it's so good. It's like all written through like these letters between, like it's written in the form of like letters between like these two like time agents, basically, who are like, work against each other to, like, do some stuff within, like, different time threads. 
Um, it's brilliant. It's so good. It's a really short and quick read. I highly recommend it. Um, and then um, right now I'm reading um, Pet by Akweke Mezzi, um, which I've been meaning to read for a long time. I picked up a few months ago and is already so good because Akweke is a genius. I love them. Um, and then <laughs> appropriately right now, as I'm on quarantine, I am reading Station Eleven. Um because I don't know, it's like it's a it's a pandemic book that also manages to be like kind of hopeful because it's about like humans preserving like art and music and beauty, um, like even after like years and years after a pandemic has like just laid waste to the earth, which hopefully is not going to happen. But you know, um, it's 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 still like very I don't know. It's it's sometimes you like have to kind of lean into the like scariness and like come out the other side having read this book and be like okay like maybe like, it's gonna it's, it's, it's bad but it's not as bad as this is so <laughs> there's some hope you know um yeah so that's what I, uh, those are like my fave recent reads actually i've heard of the i can't remember what the like the title is but every queer friend of mine has recommended it the first one you mentioned oh yeah this is how you use time work yeah, yeah. it's so good it's so good you should read it Okay, I'm going to. I feel like I'm being pressured now by all the queers, so I definitely will. Yeah, and we're all going to pile on this actually conspiracy against you. We've all been in touch with each other, and we're going to get you to read it. Okay, I'm, like, convinced, and I'm happy with that. I love being part of conspiracies, so um, it's great. (laughs) I need to read Pet, because I I love... I just love um, the idea of it. I love monsters. And so yeah. I'm excited. I'm doing my like dissertation for uni on monstrosity in children's literature. So I need to read that. But yeah, I agree with um, like leaning into the scary and like, I guess Station Eleven is like really like a severe lean in, but um, I agree. <laughs> I agree. I also just bought um, Severance by Ling Ma, okay. um, which is, a pandemic book but it's actually set in new york where i live <laughs> so i haven't started that one yet but i've heard it's like really funny okay and, and so because um, it's like it's basically about this girl who like her lifestyle doesn't i think, think I'm, I'm going off just to remember from the back jacket copy but i think it's basically like her lifestyle doesn't really change she's basically already like quarantined by like her job because she works so much and so it's basically about like um like what it's like to experience a pandemic when like your life is already like you live on lockdown and so it's kind of like a it's a little bit of like there's a humor twist to it okay um which is really interesting but yeah it's in, it's set in new york so i'm like ah, <laughs> when was this written um, this is uh i think it came out around the same time as my book because i or maybe a little before that 20 it might have been 2017 or 2018 but i know that it's because like uh Ling Ma MA is right next to MC on the bookshelf and they're both pink books so it's always shelved right next to my book and if my book is shelved in the fiction section and so I like have been seeing it for months and months and months and being like I need to just buy that book I see it like every time I look at my book I finally did because it's a pandemic book I mean that's destiny to me I feel like I have this theory that all of these books that like are about pandemics um, the authors are actually psychic. So whenever you, someone mentions the book about it, I just like I have to know more because I'm like I want to yeah. know what they know and what they're not telling us. <laughs> yeah, tell me everything you know. <laughs> yeah. And um, what can you tell us about your new book that's coming out? Oh my god, I'm so excited. Okay, so my book One Last Stop, which is my sophomore novel, um, it comes out 
it's going to be coming summer, like early summer 2021, if unless like the pandemic pushes back the timelines of things, but I don't think it will because the book's written. It's like it's already gone through line and everything. We're getting into bound manuscripts now. Um, and it is also set in New York. Um, in fact, I think I talked myself into moving to New York by writing this book because I wrote it while I was living in Colorado. Um, but it is about, um, a girl who she's like 23. She's, you know, kind of in her fifth year of college, putting off graduation, accruing debt because she doesn't know what she wants to do with her life. And she's terrified of like, who am I if I'm not like a perpetual student, you know? And, um, and she moves to, she transfers to a college in New York, in Brooklyn to try and just kind of bide her time and, uh, try and she's just you know she's been moving around a lot she's never really like felt anchored to a home uh she's like a loner and she's like if i move to new york i'll be like one loner in a city of loners and it won't be weird anymore um and so she ends up stumbling into like you know a, a ragtag band of queer roommates and um you know things start to look up for her and then she develops a crush on this girl who is always on her subway commute and she's like this super hot butch girl who's like always wearing a leather jacket and like super charming everyone loves her and um and my main character august develops a huge crush on her and then as the events unfold it becomes apparent that this girl who's always on her train um is not exactly like there's more to her than me so it turns out that her crush is actually displaced in time from like 1970s post stonewall era new york and she has somehow fallen through time and is stuck on the subway and it is up to this girl august my main character to figure out like how this happened and how to help her how to get her out and try not to fall in love with her you know she's supposedly gonna go back to the 1970s at the end of this if they can figure it out so yeah so it's like a um i'm kind of i pitched it as like a queer kate and leopold which if you've never seen is like an american rom-com when with like meg ryan and hugh jackman and like meg ryan is this woman living in new york hugh jackman is like a man who falls in time fall time from like the era new york and they like fall in love and so it's like that but like if hugh jackman was like a hot witch lesbian um oh, and she was from the 1970s not reasons um but yeah so that's the book and i'm like i love it so much it's very much like a story about like queer past and present and like queer communities of the present day versus like queer communities of like the gay liberation era and like what they have to offer each other and like what they can learn from each other and it's about like finding family and finding home and um making out with hot butch girls i mean it's great <laughs> so, yeah so i i really love this book like i love my first book don't get me wrong but my second book i feel like is really like my heart you know Oh, I'm so excited. I feel like um, that's going to be really heartbreaking. I might just be like putting words into your book and like creating this whole idea that I think it's going to be. But yeah. that sounds really heartbreaking. <laughs> well, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you right now, it does have a happy ending. Okay, um, that's good. But like, I can't tell you how or why or in what way. <laughs> but I am like so excited. Hopefully we will be rolling out like arcs and galleys, whatever you want to call them, like by the summer. Um, so hopefully like early reads can start happening in the next few months, unless, you know, the pandemic just like totally disrupts the whole flow of everything. 
But um, but yeah, I'm like super excited about it. I can't wait for people to read it. I'm really proud of this book, and um, I it, like almost killed me. Like it, sophomore books are so hard. Um, but I love this book. Sophomore books are the worst. I can confirm. Are you are you writing one right now? I wrote. I've written the first draft. I never want to look at it again. My agent's currently reading it, and I never want to see it again. <laughs> when I sent in my first draft and then I took my first draft when I got it back and I looked at it and I was like this is in the wrong POV it's all in first person and it should be in third oh, and wow. I had to rewrite my entire draft like to be in third person oh my god that sounds like nightmarish <laughs> it, was, it was terrible but oh my god I am sending you all of my um positive energy Thank to you. get through your like you know I guess revisions of um this first draft because oh my god sophomore novels thank you i'm gonna just like take all of it because i need it and i also need like i need a prayer i just need everything because uh, you know what like light some incense i'll light some in my house it'll you know like link up on the actual (laughs) plane it'll be great thank you so much for being on my podcast today so lovely having you um so much fun what is your social media accounts and your website Sure. Um, so my website is caseymcquiston.com, um, and my Twitter handle is casey underscore McQuiston. My Instagram handle is casey.mcquiston, and that's all of them. Thank you so much. Any last words for the, the listeners? Um, stay home, flatten the curve. I don't know when this is going to air, but I, God willing, we're not still quarantined by then. But if we are, don't go, please don't endanger people. Stay home. Other than that, um, read more queer books and buy more queer books and support your local indies because they are going to really need our help in the next few months. Yeah. I'm going to put some, um, if you have any recommendations for indies in New York, um, I'll put it in my show notes, but thank you so much for those last words. Have a wonderful Uh, time in quarantine if you can and thank you guys for listening